Hello, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that you enjoy the review. If you do, I do encourage you to check out my website for over 3,800 of my written reviews stemming all the way back to 1996. You can find that at Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. As I mentioned in the previous episode, I've just come back from a mini vacation and I wasn't able to do any film reviews. I did see one film while I was out and about, and that is the film I'm going to be reviewing today. It's called Born to be Blue. It's a drama, primarily a music biopic about jazz trumpeter Chet Baker. It's a film that is rated R because of drug use, language, some sexuality, and brief violence, and the runtime is an hour and 37 minutes. The main star is Ethan Hawke, also features supporting roles for Cameron Ejogo and Callum Keith Rennie. The director and screenwriter is Robert Boudreaux. Born to be Blue is a biopic, as I mentioned, about legendary jazz artist Chet Baker. It focuses mostly on a key period in his career from the mid-1950s and also into the mid-1960s when he became the pioneer of a type of jazz called West Coast Jazz. Chet Baker was a rarity not only for his music, but because of his skin color. He's a white jazz man playing music alongside even bigger greats like Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis. The film mostly deals with Baker's trouble with heroin addiction and a traumatic incident in which his so-called chops would be demolished in 1968, as well as his trepidatious road back to trying to get to where he once was in an industry that no longer believed in him. Born to be Blue just starts off with Chet Baker playing himself in a film that was actually planned but never actually made in real life. This one supposes that it was actually made, and it utilizes this film-within-a-film approach to draw out a glamorized black-and-white version of Chet Baker and blends it with the so-called reality of the situation, which itself coincidentally is also fairly fictionalized as well. In the film within a film, it touches on the very unsavory issues of his womanizing and his addiction to heroin, as well as this actual film that we're watching. But of course, the reality of the situation is that, you know, it's far more darker than anything that Hollywood tends to portray. I do think that that film within a film is necessary because what we're getting here is a semi-fictionalized account of the real-life Chet Baker. Also included in Born to be Blue is the love affair that he would have with a struggling but ambitious actress named Jane. Now, Jane wasn't a real person. She's more like a composite fictional character of some of the loves that Chet Baker had in his lifetime. Here she's played by Carmen Ajogo, and coincidentally, Ajogo also plays Baker's wife in the fictional film within the film. When we find him in 1966, he's fresh out of prison in Italy, but still under the close supervision of his probation officer, who wants Chet to get clean, get a steady job, get out of that lifestyle that has too many temptations for him at the ready, and he knows that the methadone that he is being prescribed to kick the heroin habit will only get him so far. Eventually, he's going to relapse, like so many other people that he has seen over the years. As far as the acting goes, Ethan Hawke, at 45 years old, he's perhaps a good deal more mature in his appearance to play his real-life counterpart during the same period. You know, Chet Baker in this film is covering anywhere from his mid-20s to his mid-30s. Ethan Hawke definitely looks much older than that. Some people might argue that it can be said that hard drugs can age a person's physical appearance, certainly heroin. They have su such things called heroin face that can make you seem a little bit older, maybe even a lot older than what you really are in some significant ways. Ethan Hawke here is playing very soft-spoken, but always very thoughtful, like the real-life Chet Baker, 
And I do think that Hawk here is delivering one of his finest performances in many years, playing this musician. And, you know, if you know Ethan Hawke, he's not really a singer or a musician. At least you wouldn't think so in his films. He does both sing, and he ended up learning how to play the trumpet enough to mimic Chet Baker, at least enough to make it somewhat believable. I'm sure jazz aficionados will spot right away that he is basically faking the jazz here for the role. But above that, I think Hawk is good because he gives us layers of Chet Baker's insecurity and his vulnerability. It has us hoping for him to succeed, even though Chet Baker often operates on a level that ends up harming those who are merely trying to help him to control that. That inner turmoil that has him turning back to drugs time and again. So he is a disappointment, but you do want him to have a happy ending somehow, if he can. Carmen Ajogo is also a very good counterpart. She has a lot of good chemistry with Ethan Hawke. Her character here exhibits a lot of resolve and intelligence and romantic appeal. There is some suspension of disbelief to be had here because her character is fictional such things take you out of the movie. There's actors who are cast as her parents. They look nothing like her. I guess the excuse is that's never stopped Hollywood in this regard. How many times have you seen a cute kid in a movie not look anything like his parents? So we'll give it a pass here. Unlike the timid, passive, or nearly non-existent role usually given to the long-suffering spouse, the story gives Jane more of a rounded personality and a more active role in Baker's life instead of just being somebody who's there to be a victim. It shows just what kind of life the musician would have had to lose if he were to ever revert back to his ways as a user and abuser. Now, here's where the movie fudges again a little bit. In truth, Baker was already married by 1966 when most of this film is set to the woman he would remain married to until his death in 1988. That's not really what the film is about. The film is really more trying to get at a certain truth. It's not trying to give you facts as much as to give you something more fundamental to think about in terms of the life of Chet Baker. The film sets up stakes. We can see the sadness and anguish and turmoil that conflicted Baker as he struggled to feel what he considered to be normal again. And I think that that's what Robert Boudreau is really itching at. What it is to be normal or great, or what can you be both at the same time? And Boudreau here is expanding further on a short film that he created back in 2009 called The Deaths of Chet Baker. That film featured Callum Keith Rennie, who is a supporting player in this film. He plays in Born to be Blue, a record company owner and producer named Dick Bach, but he actually played Chet Baker back in that 2009 short film. Now, while that short film looked more at the final chapter in Chet Baker's troubled life, Born to be Blue is more of a non-literal mood exploration of Chet Baker at his creative peak, more so than it is a fact-based docudrama recounting of events as he roamed the earth. This is not a reenactment of his Wikipedia page. This is definitely using Chet Baker as a means to explore the guts of who he really was, or at least who Robert Boudreau wants us to think of him as. It does explore, yet again, a famous musician's struggles with drug abuse and relationship issues. We see that time and again in these music biopics. But somehow this approach still feels fresh enough to separate itself from the many biopics that we've had over the years. Instead of going back to Chet's childhood to find the key to why he might feel that heroin holds the answer to his success or to his failure, this film doesn't really give you a pat answer. You can't really just pinpoint exactly why he was a drug addict. The film does deal with his family at some point in terms of 
the fact that his father feels that Chet Baker has brought the family honor, the family name, shame because of his antics, certainly that exacerbated whatever problems that had been there between him and his father, maybe in his childhood. We don't know. The film is mostly conjecture in this regard. The film does try to answer the heroin addiction from a statement that Baker makes himself, that he does it because, well, he likes it, or at least he likes how he feels when he uses drugs. And he also, later in the film, says that he feels that heroin gives him what he needs to truly get inside every note that he plays. Maybe he feels, you know, sometime later in his career that perhaps trying to play without heroin is keeping him from achieving what he once had, that greatness that he feels, even though a lot of people would tell you is that confidence that he lost in losing his chops, so to speak. I suppose what Baker was really trying to say was that being high meant that he didn't have what he had when he wasn't high, which is that lucidity to realize that underneath it all, his self-confidence had been as shattered as his palate, perhaps even before the incident that nearly ruined his career, though, you know, certainly his self-doubts increased exponentially more afterward. Born to be Blue does end not with Chet Baker's death, but it, it ends with a choice that he makes. He's at a crossroads. It's a choice that only Chet Baker could make, which is whether he was going to embrace his drug addiction for the life that he once had, or continue to curb that need for heroin with other drugs like methadone to dull the urge for them in order to continue the life that he currently has, or perhaps maybe try to do without either of them, to, to rely on not, no crutches other than the love of his woman and perhaps his future family, and to try to live the life that everyone wishes that he would have. Either road he takes, it seems to be like a tragedy in the making. Either he's going to realize his dreams and be consumed by them, or he's going to continue on his current path, perhaps even not really achieve that success he once had, perhaps even fade to obscurity, even though that greatness seems to be just within his grasp. And I think that that ultimately is the pain that he feels. He wants to have it all. He has to make a choice in order to have one thing or another, and that means there's going to be a great loss somewhere in here. Other characters in the film feel that he has it within them to be great, even without the drugs, by just being good. He could have happiness. He could have a good life. He could have a career playing, maybe not at the peak level, but, you know, is that enough for Chet? That's really what this film is actually asking. Is Chet Baker claims his philosophy in life is to find that thing that you love and to be the best at it, no matter the cost. The film answers the question of whether it's worth the cost, but it does raise a more important one. Is the virtue of fame in the music industry worth all of these vices, all of these sins, all of these detriments that it takes to deal with the myriad of expectations, those hopes, those fears, those heartaches, those regrets that seem to go hand in hand with the achieving of it? And I think that that's what this film ultimately explores. Chet Baker fans may be a little bit frustrated that it doesn't really represent the real Chet Baker and what happened to him or these supporting characters that don't really come in and out of his life the way they once did. People who don't know about Chet Baker may be a little bit frustrated. It only gives you a little bit of his life and it doesn't really cover a lot of his greatness in terms of his music. Expectations may have to be tempered if you fall into those camps, but I think that if you're going into this film expecting a pretty good drama filled with good performances and a lot of food for thought, I think that that's where Born to be Blue ultimately earns. It's three and a half stars out of four, which means I feel that it is a good movie worth going out of your way to see if you have an interest in this type of material. 
Knowing that this is a semi-fictionalized account may be important if you're a Chet Baker fan. If you're not a Chet Baker fan, it still would be fascinating even if it were a fictitious example. And you might even become a fan of his music through listening to some of his performance here. Three and a half stars out of four. Four. Born to be blue. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. If you did, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button and you'll continue to get all of my podcasts downloaded throughout the year. If you happen to be on iTunes and you want to show your support for the show, I do encourage you to leave a review and let other people know that this is a show that is worth checking out if they want to hear some of the reviews of the latest releases out in the cinema. If you want to write to me directly, you can do so by going to my website, quipster.net, where you'll also find links to my Twitter feed and my Facebook page. That's quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I have a lot of reviews to catch up on, so I'm going to try to get to those pretty soon so that you're not missing anything in the end. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I hope that you do enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. 